All right, so episode nine. Episode nine. Um, this one's going to be a fun one. Um, you know, we talked about last time that we had all of these episodes kind of planned out or whatever. So, of course, tonight we don't do one of those that's planned out. We also need to introduce ourselves. At this point. <laughs> people know. We're the, we just always forget. They just know that they're going to have to look at the podcast description. So this is Last But Holding Hands, episode nine. This is Tim and I'm Amy. So there you go. No, this is Tim. Oh, you're Tim. <laughs> you're Amy. Correct. Whew, this is going to go well. So in case anybody was confused, I'm Tim. Yep. <laughs> she's Amy. I'm Amy. Right. So I meant we are here. Never mind. Keep going. We are here. That's true. <laughs> Both of us together. Yep. You and me makes we are here. I'm Tim and you're oh Amy. <laughs> uh, yep. So this episode <laughs> that we're going to record that... Um, we is, are recording. We are recording. That's true. Are <laughs> we, we are recording? here and oh, yeah, we are we, recording. We are recording. We are on true. air. On air. Well, we're recording. Well, shush. <laughs> we're not <laughs> on the air. Don't get technical. Uh, I don't know if anybody's actually really even on the air anymore. Everything's all internet. Anyway. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sidebar. Um, yeah, so we're not doing one of those ones that we have planned out, but we're actually going to do one tonight that we... It's kind of been on the list um, from the jump. So from when we first started talking about this podcast, um, you know, Amy felt pretty strongly that at some point she would share um, her story. So, you know, Amy's a convert to the faith. Um, I think we maybe mentioned that in one of the first episodes or the mm-hmm. first episode. Um, and the story's cool. And... Um, I think it's it's powerful in a lot of ways. Um, lots of people have related to it, mostly teenagers, as you've told it, you know. I guess I've mostly told it to teenagers. Well, right. That's right. why mostly teenagers, yeah. because you've mostly told it to teenagers. So I think it'll right. be cool. Um, you know, one of the cool things about this podcast, like we mentioned in the first episode, or I mentioned in the first episode, is just that we're doing it, right, and that we have it recorded. Uh, I think it's super cool that, you know, 10 people out there in the world listen to it, Um Maybe one day it'll be, you know, 100 people or something out there listening to it. I want to rival Scott Hahn. Which is cool. That's ambitious. Yeah, I don't know about that. But, I don't know about uh, that. But, you know, it's it's cool that people listen to it. Um, I'm encouraged every time somebody says something nice about it or says that they like the podcast or, or even that it, they just enjoyed it for an hour, right? Whether or not they mm-hmm. like the podcast, if they if it just made their day, that day better for an hour or something like that, Um you know, I'm humbled by that. I'm excited by that. But one of the cool things, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I am doing this for me um, and for us and for you and um, and for our kids. You know, we'll have these recordings of these stories. Um, one day they'll find them, you know, and and they'll be able to listen to them and they'll have these stories. And so I'm excited that you're going to put this story down, you know, in recorded history rather than just oral tradition um, for that reason, right? For for our kids' sake, for their kids' sake, they get to one day um, get to know a part of us that they might not ever get to know um, otherwise. So I think it's cool. I'm ready. Do this. Are you ready? Cool. Yeah. Let's, um, As I'm still writing notes and outlining. <laughs> yeah. 
whatever. Random words Random. that I probably won't follow anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's your story. I think you know it. You lived it. <laughs> right. So I'm not super worried about it being wrong. <laughs> if you have a better version of this story, then you're welcome to present it. <laughs> Put it in the comments below. <laughs> right. It could be like, choose your own adventure. <laughs> right. It's like at this point, you should have gone left instead of right. Right. You write a choose your own adventure book. Mm. That'd be kind of weird. I don't know that I would have chosen <laughs> this particular adventure. Hey, I think it's turned out pretty cool. Yeah. Are you want to start? Yes. All right, let's pray. Okay. Father, Heavenly Father, so. we thank you for today. We thank you for this podcast. We thank you for this family. Um, we thank you for our stories. We thank you for the good parts, for the hard parts, for all the parts. And we pray, Lord, that as we think about these stories, um, especially in retrospect, that we would see you in them. And we pray, Lord, that... Um, more and more every day that we would be able to see you in them in real time that we would see you in the story writing the story being the author of the story as it's happening we pray especially as we look back on the hard times the difficult times the hard choices um, sad times those things that we would see you in those moments and that we would understand better um, your love and that we would understand better your plan for us by um, by seeing those things. We pray that you'd be with Amy this uh, evening as she shares her story. Um, we pray that it might bless some folks out there in the world. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, so this is my story and we will never get through a podcast without me crying. <laughs> just jump, just get out of the way. Just get out of the way. I'll just start crying out right now. Um, yeah, so um, I've been able to share this story um, it, it with mostly with teenagers at different retreats, um, and it's kind of all had different versions. So I'm interested to see what version the Holy Spirit will inspire tonight. But um, so I, I kind of have to start at the very beginning of my story. Um, I was I was born in Seattle and um, into a Christian family. I was very fortunate to. I would say, to be born into a Christian family um, where my mom and my dad were involved in church. Um, I, you know, it was their second kid, so I have an older sister. Um, And I I grew up in a household where praying was evident. It was was common to pray before meals. It was common to, um, you know, pray for somebody in in our church that was hurting. Um, I I guess we went to a Baptist church— mostly, or maybe it was Presbyterian at the time. Um, so my family's Protestant. Um, I don't really remember them particularly associating with a, a, um, a particular denomination. But um, anyway, so I grew up going to church, um, was in kids' choir, just very involved from the get-go, and, um, and you know, we're, went to church every Sunday. And so um, Jesus was a, a part of my life from the beginning. Um, and I remember just very early on, I'd say I was probably three or four, and um, I don't know why I'm crying, so it's not a big deal. Um, like standing at the front window of my house, and the sun was pouring in on me and just covered me in sunlight. And I remember at that young age feeling overwhelmed by Jesus's love and like being really aware. And that's such a young age, right? Like, um, and so that's kind of like the beginning of me following that that feeling and that calling um, 
And and so um, I'm just going to like sob through this whole thing. Um, I have to sniffle on every single one. Everybody has to hear me go, oh my, every single podcast. Um, so um, when I was uh, six years old, my mom passed away from cancer. And um, like my whole life changed. Um, and uh, I'm, these are kind of broad strokes and uh, to the story, you know. But um, and then uh, when I was like nine years old, my dad got transferred from Seattle to Georgia. And so I moved all the way across the country. And um, that was a huge change for me, too. Just um, they're very different places, um, very different cultures. Um, and it was very hard to start over um, as a kid. But I remember um, even at that young age, like going to school and kind of taking Jesus with me and like um, and just growing up kind of clinging on to Jesus because I didn't have any other choice. Um, and then uh, what, um, so anyway, so I, I you know, continue to kind of follow God's call. And I spent a lot of time in youth group and going to church and my dad had to work a lot of Sundays. And so we got rides to church ourselves. And so, um, so by the time I got to college, going to church every Sunday, like wasn't a thing for me. I like, I was kind of confused as to why people struggled with going to church, um, on Sundays. Cause like I had been getting my butt up and got to church either by calling someone for a ride or my sister or driving at some point. Um, and, and so, um, so when I got to college, I actually, I was, I kind of went, I had planned on like getting out of Georgia, going to school in Washington, but I ended up at UGA, University of Georgia. And, um, when I got to college, I had this plan. Um, and I went there because I had some family in a, in a ministry, a campus ministry there. Um, so I kind of already had like a path picked out, I had a church picked out. Um, I had planned on, um, sort of working my way through school and becoming part of this ministry when I graduated. I wanted to work in ministry or um, or be a missionary or marry a missionary or marry a, a, pa- a pastor or a, a preacher um, and and sort of like dedicate my life to Christ and um, in that way. And so I sort of had this plan like just all laid out, you know, and um, and so uh, so that's kind of where I was when I got to school. And, um, and then, you know, I got to school and I met a bunch of people and, um, one of the, one of the very first people I met was Tim. And, um, you know, when you're in when school and stuff, you, you talk about all kinds of stuff. And I, I remember very quickly, whenever we, our group of friends that we hung out with at school would talk about stuff, I remember I would end up agreeing with Tim a lot. And so we started talking and I quickly found out that he was Catholic, um, and I was kind of bummed uh, because I had had this rule that, like, I wasn't going to date anybody that I couldn't marry. Um, and my understanding of Catholics at this point um, was very misinformed. Um, my my only impression of Catholics up to this point were um, Catholics that I had gone to school with um, that were— um, that, that said they were Catholic, you know, nominally Catholic, but were the people that were, you know, smoking pot and getting drunk on weekends and maybe showing up to mass. And so, um, I also thought, you know, they worship Mary and statues and I had all these like misunderstandings. And so, um, 
so in in my head, like I, um, I couldn't marry a Catholic because I just fundamentally disagreed with what they believed. Um, and so I wasn't going to date a Catholic because I wasn't planning on marrying one. Um, and so as Tim tells the story, um, this is like a week or two after we've met, we were talking about dating and, you know, wearing our hearts on our sleeves. And he swears that I said um, I wouldn't date him. I swear I said I wouldn't date a Catholic. Either way, he was a Catholic. So um, and so I was kind of, you know, kind of bummed because he was he was nice and pretty good looking and I kind of liked him. And so um, so anyway, you know, uh, he kind of just like stuck with me and um, we hung out more and, you know, I was kind of, I sort of had these two groups. I had my group that I hung with it, hung out with at school, which is Tim was a part of. And then I had my group sort of at church that I hung out with, um, and was kind of doing sort of two different roles, I guess. Um, and, and Tim sort of stuck with me. And so we kept getting into conversations and, um, and I really just began to care for him. And so I, sort of got it in my head that, um, you know, I would just convert him and then we could date and, you know, all life would be well. And so, um, I don't really, I don't really remember if it was like a conscious decision, but it was kind of, but I basically came to the conclusion like, well, I'm just going to find the fatal flaws in the Catholic church and point them out to him. And he's a reasonable guy. And so when he sees the flaws, like he'll convert and, and then we can date, right? And so, um, so how their arrogant stance um, in hindsight. But um, so I started researching the Catholic Church, and and one of the very first discussions that Tim and I ever had was on um, human sexuality and birth control. Because let's just get the big ones out of the way. Um, and I, I remember um, I, I I was kind of opposed to birth control just because. Um, because it, it's been linked to health issues and breast cancer. And so I kind of had just grown up with an understanding like that it can it can be related to breast cancer. And because my mom died of breast cancer, I figured, well, whatever. But, um, and, but so when Tim shared with me the teachings of the Catholic Church on human sexuality, and I started to see the beauty in his teachings, I was like, all right, so, you know, so they teach this. Okay, cool. And I was like, well, it was kind of like one thing that the – I was like, well, they're right on one thing. Okay, sure, I can I can see where they're coming from, and so um, so I started researching other um, teachings of the church, and I really I found myself really wanting to know what it was that the Catholic Church actually taught, um, and I was really kind of bugged by um, like books and CDs and things that were saying this is what they believe, but it's coming from someone that was like outside the Catholic Church or her left the Catholic Church. Like I really wanted to know what the Catholic Church taught. And so um, I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but somehow I got a hold of a catechism, um, which is the teaching of the Catholic Church. And I tried to read the catechism and it was like trying to swim through mud for me because um, now in hindsight, I realized I didn't have the language. I didn't have the context. Um to in order to read the catechism. And so I remember just very early on, um, a lot of our conversations, my conversations with Tim, with other Catholics, um, were were really just defining terms because we use the same words, but they but we use them with different meanings. And so Tim and I would, you know, have arguments and debates and friendly conversations and sometimes frustrated conversations. Um, 
but a lot, but a lot of it was just um, sort of unveiling my misunderstanding and my misinformation about the Catholic Church. And so um, I started slogging my way through um, figuring out what the church actually taught. And so, um, so at some point, I, I sort of kind of got over, okay, well, this is what I thought it was. It's not what I thought it was. This is what it actually is, and sort of working through that. And um, so one of the um, – so I started reading a book called The Essential Catechism, and it kind of gave me definitions, and, um, and so that kind of helped. But um, I was – at the time, I was reading through the Old Testament – and Tim invited me to Mass or I asked to go to Mass or something like that. And I went to my very first Mass, and I was, like, super uncomfortable, just, like, totally on the defense, um, super uptight. I had never been to Mass before. Um, but I had been reading the Old Testament, and I and I went to Mass, and, um, and I was completely blown away um, by, like, the Old Testament coming to life on the altar in the church. Um, just the, the things that they said and the things that they did in the Mass um, and all the parts of the rite and the liturgy was like I like felt like I was watching the Old Testament come alive. And it was just really beautiful that I happened to have been reading this, these parts of the Old Testament um, about the altar and about incense and about the priests and the garments and and the sacrificial lamb and all, all those things. Um, and so, you know, while I'm like, on the defense and, and listening with all ears for the priest to make some kind of heretical statement. Um, I'm also having like this God moment of seeing the mass come alive. And so um, it had a real profound effect on me. And then, um, and so the second time I went to mass, I, again, it was just seeing this beautiful, um, the Bible coming to life for me. Um, but I was less on the defense. I was more able to like soak it all in. Um, and so, um, Really just, I feel like God sort of started pulling this wall that I had um, between me and the church, like one, down one brick at a time. And um, and so once I started kind of getting definitions, I started praying. Well, I had been praying the whole time, but praying and asking God, you know, I, where are these? I need some answers. Like, is it, you know, what is this? And um, and I very quickly realized that the church was the the Catholic church was the only church that claimed to be the one true church, as in the church that Jesus started when he said, on this rock, I will build my church. Um, And that kind of blew me away. Like that made, that blew my mind that I was like, so the Catholic church is the only one claiming to be the church that Jesus started in an unbroken line from Jesus till now. Um, And I was like, okay, that's a pretty bold statement. Um, And so, uh, I, when I was reading the Bible and, and they were talking about, the disciples were talking about like unity and, and all the writings in the New Testament, it was unity and be of one mind and one heart. And um, and that I uh, discovered the verse that said um, that, you might have to help me here, I should have look at, looked up these verses, but it was um, not even the uh, gates of hell shall pre- prevail against it. Um, I think it was when Jesus was talking about establishing the church. And so I was like, well, if the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church, like it's still got to be around. So at that point, I was like, well, then is it the Catholic church or is it some other church? Um, And so um, I started praying and I'm like, God, I really need some answers. And I I opened my Bible and I found the verse that said, um, 
Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Seek and you shall find. Uh, that verse, I'm still, I'm quoting it badly. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, then I'm going to seek and I want answers and you need to give me answers. And so, um, and, and so I was like, well, so where is this one true church? Like, where do we turn for truth? And um, at that point, God showed me 1 Timothy 3, 16, I think it is. Um, maybe I'll have to go back and put these all in our show notes. But, um, but it talked about the church being the pillar and the foundation of truth. Um, and that just kind of like blew my mind, you know, because I was like, well, the Bible is, is our truth, right? And so um, and nowhere in the Bible does it talk about the Bible being our only authority. In fact, it talks about the authority, the pillar and foundation of truth being the church. And so um, and, and then uh, I started re- looking at the Eucharist because um, the Eucharist is a pretty big um, thing, and uh, and I I remember I don't remember I don't remember the timeline exactly, but I went to adoration for the first time, and uh, for those who don't know what adoration was, it is because I didn't know what adoration was. Um, so we believe in the true blood, body and blood, the presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and so adoration is where they take the Eucharist, the blessed host. And they put it in what um, was called a monstrance, which is a fancy c- cage is not the right word. Stand. Stand. Thank you. Um, the, put it in the stand, and and you can spend time in prayer before the blessed U- the Eucharist. Um, and so I don't really remember how I ended up at adoration. I think I got invited, and I, I was like, sure, whatever, I'll try this thing. Um, and I remember being just like totally weirded out and thinking, this is bizarre. And... But I remember like God stirring in my heart and and moving me and just sobbing and falling on my knees and saying, Jesus, is if this is you in the Eucharist, like you're gonna have to show me. Because if this is not you in the in in here, like this is like me praying before a Ritz cracker, like this is the dumbest thing ever. So this is either the stupidest, most like heretical thing ever, or this is real. And so uh, when I started researching the Eucharist, um, I my grandmother is um, uh, used to be Catholic, and um, I called her and I was like, "So what's the deal with this Eucharist thing?" And and she pointed me to John six and it, um, the verse that where Jesus is talking to the crowd, and he says, um, "If you um, drink, eat of my body and drink of my blood, you shall have life within you." Um, my flesh is true food, and my body my, true drink. Yes, thank you, and. Um, and I had, like, read John before, but this, like, leapt out at me. Um, and and sort of the fact that, like, she she still believed in the, you know, true presence. And, um, and God just, like, I felt like it sort of just, like, clunked me in the head by a two-by-four. Um, and so I felt like God was saying, yes, this is, this is me. This is, the, I am, I am here. Um, and what was really interesting to me was, um, in all the stories that Jesus tells in the New Testament, um, he, he tells a lot of stories and a lot of parables to explain to the crowd, like what he's trying to teach. But what was really interesting about John six, and it's like John six in the, it's in the like fifties where it begins. Um, it's called the bread of life, life discourse. And, um, is that, you know, He's talking to the people, and he sa- and he's the the word that he says, "Eat of my body," is like the the literal word. I think it was 
Greek, maybe not that's maybe not right the right language, but um, is is the word for chew or to gnaw. And so he's telling them, like, you have to chew, you have to, like, gnaw on my body. And people are wigging out, and, and they're, like, leaving. And at this point, like, you know, in every other um, story about Jesus, like, you see him, like, telling stories or explaining and, and explaining the parable or the story that he just told. But at this point, this is the point in the story where you're kind of waiting for Jesus to go, hold up, guys. Like, it's just as simple. This is what I meant, except he doesn't. And that was really profound to me that he— he let them go and they and the crowds like walked away from him because it was hard and then he talks to his disciples and he said what he's basically like what about you and his disciples were like well where are we going to go like you are the true christ and and like and basically they're acknowledging like this is really hard and so um so that just really like sat with me and um and so yeah and and as I discovered, as I continued, like I researched that semester so, so much, like that first semester of college, I researched the Catholic Church so much, like reading the catechism, reading church teachings, um, reading excerpts from the, the early church fathers, which are were the, the men who followed Jesus' disciples, like the direct descendants from um, Jesus' disciples. Um, and what they believed. And, you know, they talk about the Eucharist and they talk about Mary and they talk about um, the real presence um, and the, the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, that I, And I researched so much that first semester, like I, I should have failed out of college. Um, in fact, I almost lost my scholarship um, because I basically was eating, breathing, reading all all the, the things, um, all the Catholic teaching. And, um, and, and so... Um, so I, I, you know, God just kind of knocked down all these walls, all these misconceptions and all these things. And, um, about like springtime, middle of second semester, um, God had kind of ripped down that wall, like big time. And, um, I knew at that point that, um, I was going to get into classes to become Catholic. Um, and so uh, this is the fun part of the story where I tell Tim, hey, by the way, um, so at this point, like, you know, he and I had been talking and, and whatever, and um, I said, just so you know, I'm entering classes in the fall for to become Catholic. Um, I'm sh- confident that I'm on this path to become Catholic, so if you'd like to date, I'm still here. And so we started dating that day, um, <laughs> so made it official. Um, and um, Which know. the crazy thing is, and I hate to kind of interrupt. No, please do. But, but like, when I think about this story, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I lived it with you, mm-hmm. it feels like years. I know. In my brain, it's like almost one of those things where, like, you know, in the movies, when like things happen and it like slows down time, and you like you see all the all the like micro details. It's like when I think about that period of time, mm-hmm. it there's so many memories, right? And and it's so densely packed with. Oh yeah. Emotions and feelings and memories and, and things that happen in conversations yeah. and all the things and events and and big moments and Right. It feels like years, but I mean, we met like August 8th or whatever. <laughs> right. And that was like March? Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. That's like what 6 months or something? Ish, yeah. 6 8. Yeah, so the, like that. so that whole yeah. college part of the story. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like four years of college. Right. It's like six months. But Yeah, because it was so like packed in there. I mean, well, dense. and I think the the sort of the distance that I went from like full on going to be missionary, like Protestant, like that journey felt really long and like in such a long. short time. It just wasn't long in time. Right. Yeah. Um, and so... Um, so at that point I had, uh, decided to enroll in the classes and, um, one of the, one of the biggest questions I get was sort of how my family reacted. Um, and I kind of got different reactions from different people. Uh, the friends that I had sort of made at, at college, um, like through church and stuff like that, um, kind of sort of slowly, but not so slowly, like faded away. Like people stopped calling me. Um, stopped inviting me to things, like just kind of vanished. Um, and um, and I had family members uh, call me and try to like talk to me about this. Um, and and I just I, I think it was really hard in the moment because I went from I'm um, very much a people pleaser um, and sort of at least feeling like I had the approval of my whole family kind of um, rule follower to doing something that was very, very, very against um, what my family um, believed. Um, and that was excruciating for me. Um, and so at one point my family held like an intervention. Um, I don't have like clear memories of that. Um, obviously it d- didn't work. Um but um, and some people were really open to talking to me about what I was f- discovering and believing, and, and some family kind of just turned away and stopped talking to me altogether. Um, and so, um, I guess like it was really hard to go through it. But what I r- realized was that I was really grateful because um, my family was con- is was I don't know concerned about my salvation um, and. I can only be grateful for that, that, like, they cared enough to be concerned, that they cared enough to talk to me about it, um, and that they loved me enough to to be concerned for me. Um, and so I'm very thankful for that. And I'm also um, really super thankful for the church that I grew up in. Um, I think had I, um, because I grew up reading my Bible and loving the Word of God, um, I think I it makes... Like the cat, it made the Catholic faith faith easier to approach because I had all this like Bible understanding from my childhood. Um, but not only that, it makes my faith richer now because I can um, put the the two together and um, or it's it's all part of it. But anyway, um, and so um, so I'm kind of glossing over some some events. Um, you know, it was a really difficult time and. And I'm making just really broad strokes here. The story is usually a lot longer. but um, And so I entered into RCIA classes um, in the fall, and my so my sophomore year. Um, and uh, I, somewhere in that first semester of sophomore year, I went back to adoration because that's where Jesus does his dealings with me. <laughs> and... Um, and I felt very so. Normally, the um, the path to becoming Catholic is you enter into classes, um, usually for like kind of school a year ish time, 
and then you come into the church fully or fully received with the sacraments at Easter. And um, so that was the path that I was on. And I very clearly heard God call me in adoration and say, you need to come in sooner. You need to come into the church now. Um, and so I was like, uh, okay. And so um, I approached the nun at our Catholic Center at EGA and, um, who was in charge of the classes that I was taking called RCIA. And I said, um, I'm pretty sure that God is calling me into the church sooner than Easter. Um, how do we do that? And she goes, she presented me with this book. And she said, well, you need to read this book. And I looked at it. I said, um, I've already read that book. And she said, oh, okay. And then she grabbed another book. She was like, you need to read this one. I said, no, I've read that too. And so she just kind of looked at me like, okay. And so she like opened the book and she started going through all his teachings and asking me questions and, um, you know, testing my knowledge. And she just kind of looked at me and she's like, okay, I guess we will go talk to the priest now. <laughs> and so, um, so at the point at which I had enrolled in classes, like I had done the research I, I was, like, teaching people in my RCIA class because I had just, like I said, researched so much I should have failed out of college. Um, and so um, I was received fully into the Catholic Church um, in December of my sophomore year of college. Um, and it was kind of a crazy time. Um, you know, I had some, some bad reactions from my family, um, but it was also a really beautiful time, like— uh, I had uh, the friends from school and Tim and um, I think your mom and maybe your sister came from Savannah. I, th- I think at least your mom. Um, Tabo came. And Tabo came. Tabo, she's probably like my unofficial godmother. God bless that woman. Um, and just some people from Savannah, the community, like uh, the community just kind of like wrapped their arms around me and um, kind of carried me through that day because it was kind of overwhelming. Um to finally be taking that step. But um, what was really amazing was, I I think one of the hardest things for me was, um, so backtrack, tangent, Um, I remember as a teenager, I was old enough to drive by myself because I remember driving down the road by myself and in my hometown and driving past all of these churches. And um, because, you know, I lived in a place where there was like just churches everywhere. Um, on the way to my church. And I remember thinking, well, so my church believes in the Bible and that church believes in the Bible and that church believes in the Bible and that church believes in the Bible. Like, so how do we know? But but they all like disagree. They all say the Bible says this, the Bible says this, and they disagree on things. So how do we know what the truth is? And I remember just sort of being like, I guess we won't know the side of heaven and sort of like shoving that down. And, um, and so, um, so I remember like thinking about this later as I was converting, like Jesus saying, this is the truth. This is the whole truth. And the, that image of like those, you know, those tracks that, um, they're like, they look like a hundred dollar bills or something that people, oh, this pissed me off. Um, because they're so mean, like someone's so excited and they're like, oh, it's like a come to Jesus thing and it drives me crazy. But anyway, um, I I sort of felt like, originally, I felt like that's what my faith life had been before, that it was like this thing that I was now discovering was fake. And and that made me like really sad. And it kind of made me scared for a long time because as as part of my journey, um, sort of midway through, I found myself like um, 
no feeling knowing that there was more than what I had believed as a Protestant, but not um, fully understanding and and knowing what the Catholic Church taught, and I felt very much in no man's land, um, and and I and I felt like someone had sort of done the switcheroo on me and gone like, well, you thought you had the truth, but now it's not really it. And then I sort of came to understand it in a way of like what I had believed was good and wonderful and true, um, but it but it's like the um, it's like the cocktail hour outside of a, a big party. It's like, you know, the the sort of the entryway to the the feast and the party. And and so I sort of started to see my um, how I grew up and, and my faith before that. And when I came into the Catholic Church, I felt like I had come home, like I was finally um, got the full party and got the whole truth and got the full feast. And so, um, and I just like really wanted that for everybody. I want, um, uh, you know, at one point I said I was okay, like if my family never became Catholic, and I am fine if they never become Catholic, but but I want them to because, um, and everybody to, <laughs> I want everybody to join me because I feel like I, I've entered in and I have the fullness of the truth and the full party and the full feast, and I desperately want to like pull people in from the entryway and say, come on in, like come to the feast. And so, um, and so, um, I don't know how to like wrap this up, I guess. Um, and I, and so I've been, so we're in Lent, we've entered into the season of Lent and I was, and I was thinking about that. Um, cause Lent is all about like turning your heart towards God and like dying to yourself and, and letting him, um, become more of you so that we can get to the feast of Easter. And so I guess like there was a lot of deaths that had to happen in me for me to go from where I was to becoming Catholic. Um, but I can honestly say that God has, um, redeemed every single one of those and has blessed me beyond belief. Not that he had to, but he did. Um, and so I guess if you're on your faith journey and you're sort of stumbling through and like struggling, I just, um, know that I'm praying for you and that, um, and that he will, it's just, it's worth it. <laughs> I don't know how to wrap this up. <laughs> well, so, so don't, right? It's, it's all good because it's, it's not ended, right? You know, that's, yeah. that's the beautiful thing. Well, there's so much story since then, but this is sort of where I want to end it. But one of the, the things, you know, maybe wrapping it back into the, the this podcast, right? It's like this podcast is so much about how, like, how different we are right and it's so much about how um we see the world differently we we like different things <laughs> i don't know that that you know even like we said in the first podcast that there's much more that could be different right <laughs> i mean you have blonde hair i have dark hair like it yeah i don't e- i don't even know like how much more it could be different <laughs> but what i think is interesting right is you know um, scripture warns us about being like unequally yoked mm-hmm. and it's it's cool to hear the story and it's cool to remember that or that early time when we met because I think so much of what drew me to you was I don't know that I've met too many people in my life that can keep up with me <laughs> I'm serious yeah I'm and trying. Like, I'm just kidding and, and I don't mean that in like an arrogant way. 
No, I know. It's like, I just, like, for whatever reason, um, you know, I had this, this gift that God has sparked this zeal in me to sort of just, just run and try to figure this stuff out and mm-hmm. try to wrestle this stuff down and try to try to get to know God in whatever way, right? And, you know, I, I come to it in my way mm-hmm. through all these crazy programs and this ridiculousness that I put myself through so that I can I can get all of myself out of the way to try to see some God, right? And you, you come to it through a completely different lens and path and understanding. And even when we first met, you came to it through a completely different faith tradition with a completely separate set of words and rituals and traditions and things that couldn't have been more different than than what I had almost, right? right? You know, because so many of the words that we would use had, had just opposite definitions. Yeah. And so, but the thing that's cool is, is you were able to, to push just as hard as I was mm-hmm. in that yoga and, and still today, right? And I appreciate that. And I think that, you know, that is, that is something for sure that is, is the same. Mm-hmm. You True. know, because you were, you were running as hard after God in your faith when we met as I was, maybe harder. But, you know, there was definitely not an, unequal yokedness <laughs> or whatever the word is right and i think i think it's cool and i think it's cool that's to the like, title of this episode equal yokedness equal yokedness <laughs> um never call your wife an ox um, <laughs> oh jeez. oh yeah i forgot that's what i meant yeah you you shouldn't compare your wife to an ox maybe you should i like my ox <laughs> oh, she's my sturdy God. and can push oh, hard oh my gosh stop <laughs> Stop. That's a wrap. No. Episode nine. No, but I but I think the but, but I did uh, have a way to wrap this up. No, but so when you're done. Yeah. But I, I just think like in hearing your story, like what I hear and what I re- recall about that very dense, intense time for both of us, um, is that that feeling of wrestling this down together. Mm-hmm. At least at, at least equally as hard. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was in different directions. Mm-hmm. But it was it was certainly with an equal amount of zeal and vigor mm-hmm. and determination and force and care and for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. It's because it mattered. Right. You know, and I think what's so beautiful about the first part of your story is just how and you know, I shared a little bit of my story in a past podcast and it's like I think what's what's beautiful about that and the thing I think about it being a parent is that like what a gift your family gave you that it mattered so much to you. Yeah. You know, what a beautiful gift in that. And like if, if we can give our kids one gift, it would be that they'd walk out of our house when they're 18 or 30 or whenever they walk out. Oh gosh, hopefully it's knowing, before 30. <laughs> <laughs> knowing that, that this faith thing and that God guy mm-hmm. matters. Yeah. Matters enough to affect your life, all yeah. kinds of parts of your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I remember um, when I was preparing a talk for for our last retreat. Um, you you kind of were like I always want to know the why, and I've been that's been really like sticking in my brain. Um, and I don't know that I have a great answer, but really, I mean, I, like I said, I was I was so um, I I think my answer is just because it was the truth, like I, because. 
to go from, you know, sort of being, the, like I said, the people pleaser and having the approval of my family and, and sort of being on a path that everyone was like nodding in agreement, yes, this is a good way to go, to to going completely against that, um, it, it was the truth. And, and I wanted what God had, and I wanted to know the truth. And when, at, when God showed me it was in the Catholic Church, I wanted it all. Like, I wanted the whole feast. I, I didn't want it by halves. Um, and, like, I think it's St. Therese that said, or St. Teresa, one of them, that says, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be a saint by halves. Like, I wanted the whole feast. I wanted the whole thing. And, and like, and I think, and it was just sort of falling back on my training of, like, I'd sort of honed that listening ear over the years of, and you know, spent a lot of time being lonely as a as a kid, just kind of being the odd man out because I had moved, you know, from a different area or whatever. And I mean, I had friends, but um, I spent a lot of time with Jesus in my Bible, um, and like honing that ear of listening to God's call in my life. And I think it was just falling back on my training of this is where I'm being called. And like, you know, you can say no to God, but like then you end up in the belly of a whale, let's be honest. Like, you know, you end up in bad places. And so um, I, like, I just, I had, had to go. I had to move when, like, that's what he was showing me. And so, and it, and I can honestly say that it was, it was only for truth that I could have moved like that. Um, and so, um, so to end this, to wrap it all up, to put the pin in the story, um, you know, back when, we first met and I said I would never date you and then we started dating we came full circle and Tim proposed in the place where I told him I would never date him and so and now we have a life together yep. <laughs> so there you go 11 plus years later here we are here we are on a podcast <laughs> with two little kids running around Yes, hopefully not right now. Hopefully they're in their beds, but we're not totally sure. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably running around, let's be honest. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing your story. I think, um, yeah, I think stories are cool. And, you know, and I think that hearing other people's stories help us to better understand just some some facet of what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thank you for... Yeah. Being vulnerable with all 10 people who listen to the podcast. But, you know, Shush. <laughs> in, in 10 years, it'll be 15 people who listen to the podcast, but it'll be all good. So Yeah. So that's actually a wrap. That's a wrap.